Am I on, Zach? Can you hear me? Anybody? There we go. All right. Uh, thank you, Britta, for reading that story. Um, it kind of clues you in as to what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Uh, Drew wasn't lying when he says you can't see anybody when you're standing up here. So, uh, Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Jared Severson. I've got the honor of coming up here and going through God's word with you today. Um, before getting started, I do want to take a minute to pray for us today, um, just before we get started. So if you'd bow your heads and pray with me, that'd be great. God, we thank you for um, Passover. We thank you that uh, you have a rescue plan for us. And as we look at this story today, I just pray that you um, open our hearts, open our minds to, um, to your word, um, to what you want us to hear and what you want us to learn today. So uh, we just pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. Uh, since all the kids are with us today, there are some kind of coloring sheets on a gray bin right outside the door. If anybody kind of needs a little bit of a distraction, um, those are out there for, for any of our, our young friends. Uh, for those of you who don't know me um, or know me that well, um, I do have the privilege just by way of introduction a little bit of being married to Natty. She is somebody that probably everybody knows. Uh, she's kind of the face of our family. Most everybody knows her. She's up here on stage a lot of times. Uh, she is the type of person that makes friends wherever she is. Uh, my son Zach actually just yesterday, I believe, or maybe the day before, made a comment. He goes, husbands don't have friends. They've got wives who have friends who have husbands. That's, that's pretty much our family. Um, all my friends kind of, or most of my friends kind of come through my wife. And I'm appreciative of that because I would probably just be a, a shut-in at home if, if it wasn't for her. So um, I do appreciate her. Um, put a couple pictures up here of our family. Um, I'm not a big picture taker. So I've got two family pictures that I found on my phone. This is it. These are probably the most recent ones that I have. Obviously, the one on the left is not very recent. There's a pretty big time gap between those. Uh, the one in the middle, the picture in the middle, uh, was taken last summer, and that literally is the last family picture that I have. Uh, we do have, we're blessed to have three kids, Aaron, Zach, and Hannah. Um, sorry. I'm getting used to using, actually, kind of using a computer and ha having to... Uh, uh, teach this anyways. But as, we, as you can see, uh, we have three kids, Aaron, Zach, and Hannah, and being the fact, in the, the fact that they are in college or almost in college really doesn't allow a lot of time for picture taking. Um, in my spare time over on the right-hand side, again, this was actually a snip from a video I had to do for school, but I'm a middle school teacher. That's what I do in my time when it's not summer. Um, which leads me to what I kind of thought of for our get to know you question today. Sure, uh, Britta mentioned food substitutes when I asked Natty that question. Her first comment was something about her mom forgetting, or at, excuse me, substituting salt instead of sugar in a cookie recipe, which apparently didn't turn out too well. Um, I have used Greek yogurt as a substitute for sour cream. I've tried to get my kids to believe that cornflakes are the same as frosted flakes. Uh, I've used cream of mushroom soup instead of cream of chicken soup, and I tell my family that, or I tell myself that my family won't be able to tell, but somehow they always find the little tiny pieces of mushroom in there. Uh, and so I think a lot of us have similar examples to that about, uh, you know, or how we've kind of substituted some things. But as a teacher, 
my first thought went to substitute teachers. Okay, let's take a roll here. Jay Quellen. Where's Jay Quellen at? No Jay Quellen here? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, do you mean Jacqueline? Okay, so that's how it's gonna be. Y'all wanna play. Okay then. I've got my eye on you, Jay Quellen. Balake. Where is Balake at? No Balake here today. Yes, sir. My name's Blake. So there, there's more to this clip. This Key and Peel clip is actually one of my one of my favorites, um, and it's called Substitute Teacher. At the beginning of it, he does introduce himself and kind of gives a little bit of his background, where he has previously taught, telling the kids not to mess with him, that sort of thing. But uh, if you've seen the whole thing, uh, this is Mr. Garvey, and he goes on to mispronounce most students and even the principal's name. Uh, one of those names is A. A. Ron which we now often use to call our own, so, our own child, our own son, uh, our oldest who isn't here right now. But uh, So anyways, the question today was, what was something that you used as a substitute for something else and it just didn't work out? Now, I know there are many of us that are teachers, myself included, and I would tell you that substitute teaching is probably the most difficult job on the planet. So I don't mean any disrespect when I say that it just substitute teachers don't work out. That's not my intention at all. Uh, you do have my utmost respect. Uh, again, that it's a super difficult job, and I, I've had to go into other classrooms when it's not my own classroom and teach, and it's, it's not easy. However, from a student's perspective, and as a former student myself, uh, I've had some kind of doozies of sub-experiences. Uh, for the sake of time and not wanting to give kind of our little friends that are in here with us some ideas today, I'm gonna hold off on telling those stories. But what we can hopefully admit is that whenever there's a substitute teacher in a classroom, even if they're working really hard and they're doing their best, it just isn't the same as kind of the regular classroom teacher. Which gets us to today. We have been going through this series based off of this book by Chris Bruno, The Whole Story of the Bible in 16 Verses. Uh, this is the timeline that we've been working through. Uh, we are now kind of rounding the corner here with the Passover lamb. That's what we're getting to today. We started by talking about creation and the verse where when God created, it was very good. As part of his creation, we talked about how God created humans. Uh, he made us in his image. We are image bearers. Uh, this is something that's really stuck with me uh, quite a bit just in terms of if we view ourselves as image bearers, how different does that kind of change our life, change our perspective and our relationships with others around it, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's neighbors in our community. Um, just understanding that we're all image bearers of God. Uh, then we got, despite being created good, uh, we didn't trust God's promises. We thought we knew better than God and therefore we believed lies and then we fell into sin. Uh, chapter four then was that God does, or does promise redemption. Uh, when we look at the previous timeline, there was kind of the waiting, waiting for the time to come. And this indicates what we're waiting for. We're waiting for that freedom from sin, a defeat of the serpent. We're waiting for a return to God's holy presence 
And so those are the things that were promised. This was promised through the family of Abraham. So we looked at Abraham and how God's blessings would come through him. And then more specifically last week, we looked at Judah, the king. And if we think back to what Drew preached, those of you that were here, uh, we see that Judah was not kind of who we would expect that king or that redemption to come from. That was the, the least likely branch of that family tree to produce kind of this, this blessing. And so God's been revealing more and more of his plan to save his people as we've been exploring the story of the Bible. And so this is where we are at up to this point. Uh, God created a kingdom and he is king, but he made human beings to represent him in that kingdom. Adam and Eve rejected this call, which led to sin and death. But God promised to defeat the serpent through the seed of the woman, who is also the seed of Abraham, through Abraham's family, and specifically Judah's royal seed, the covenant blessings would come to the world. And then that leads us to today, when we're going to continue this story by learning about the Passover lamb. And this comes from Exodus 12, 23. So... Our verse to get us started off here today, Exodus 12, 23, is when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Okay? As we go through this also, we've been looking at kind of three players, quote unquote players within kind of our Bible story. So God, what, does, what do these verses tell us about God, about his character, his relationships, his motives? The second kind of player in these stories are us as, as people. How does the Bible story confirm our identity, our purpose, our actions? And then lastly, we want to look at Jesus. How does this Bible verse ultimately point us to the cross and point us to who Jesus was as a person? How Jesus hopefully is the hero of this story, and hopefully today you're gonna to see how Jesus is that hero um, and then can become the cornerstone of our faith. So, uh, Britta kind of read through a lot of this. If we go back to the history, I think to understand the Passover, we first need to kind of look at kind of the history surrounding this event. And so, uh, some of this was mentioned in the story. So, during kind of the time of Joseph, uh, they, the Egyptians, or not the Egyptians, the Israelites moved to Egypt. There was a famine in the land. Uh, if you remember the, the story of Joseph and his bright technicolor color dream coat, uh, that is the, that's when uh, the Israelites first went to Egypt. You maybe can't see this down here, but the bo bottom of this says Joseph, or Jacob gives Joseph the coat of many colors. Moral of the story, dads don't know fashion think that's pretty true. I was going to wear my sandals and black socks and whatever today, but I decided not to. Um, but yeah, so Joseph was given this color or this coat of many colors. Uh, his brothers got offended by that. They tried to kill him. Eventually there was a famine and Joseph had, was kind of lifted to power within Egypt. And so they went there trying to just kind of save their lives, the rest of his family. So kind of moving on uh, through kind of the history in Egypt, they went from, when they first moved to Egypt, they went from about a 70-person family to around 2 million people. And so because they were growing so much, uh, Pharaoh didn't like that. Okay? They were becoming too numerous, he felt threatened, and so they were forced into slavery. Uh, Pharaoh at one point then proclaimed that, like we heard in the story that Britta read, that all baby boys 
were to be killed. Moses was rescued from that. He was raised in Pharaoh's own house. And then eventually Moses was called by God to help rescue, to go back to Egypt and help rescue the Israelites and get them out of slavery like we saw with the parting of the Red Sea. Okay, So today we're going to look at God's rescue plan and how he is working through that or how he is working a rescue plan both for Israel but then also in our lives as well. All right, so going back to this again, when the Lord goes through Exodus 12, 23, when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Uh, God worked through Moses and Aaron. Uh, he sent 10 plagues on Egypt. This was the 10th plague that we saw. Uh, we heard about those in the Bible verse. The last one, again, the Israelites were told, you're going to sacrifice a lamb. You're going to take that blood and put it over and around the door frame, and then the destroyer then is going to pass over that and not harm those children. So what does this passage tell us about God? I want to go back a little bit in kind of Exodus in that book to Exodus chapter 6, 1 through 8. Okay, so go back to this story to, to figure out now how does this story of Passover, what does that tell us about God? So in Exodus 6, it says, the Lord, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. So what does this tell us about God? Well, one tells us that God is mighty. It also tells us that God keeps his covenantal promises and honors them. This is often especially for me, kind of a difficult concept for, for us to believe because God doesn't always work on our timeline. Okay, Israelites don't know it yet, but they're going to wander in the desert for over 400 years. Okay, that's definitely not probably the rescue plan that they were thinking of. However, despite us not knowing God's timeline, we can be assured that he does keep his promises, he tells us. Okay, lastly, from these few verses we learn that God hears us. God tells us that he hears us. In verse five here at the end, I've heard the groaning of the Israelites. So they were in Egypt. They were going through slavery. They were being asked to do more and more. They were crying out for help. God hears that. How many of us oftentimes have a desire just to have somebody to listen or have somebody to listen to us? That we want to just share our struggles and we just need to talk. Well, God hears us. God hears you. Uh, moving on in this section to verse six, it goes on to say, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out under the yoke of the Egyptians and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. 
So from these verses, we see God has a plan to rescue us. And we see that God is generous. He's a giver. Nine different plagues didn't change Pharaoh's heart. God was gonna give them a way out. God was gonna rescue them from slavery, rescuing them with the sacrifice of the blood of the lambs. Okay, and then they were going to move out of Egypt and they were gonna be given this promised land. Okay, so those are things that it tells us about God. He's mighty, he listens to us, he makes promises that he keeps, okay? He rescues us and he gives. What does this passage story, or this Exodus story, this Passover story tell us about us? We're gonna look back at Exodus, starting with Exodus 5, 19 through 21. Okay, Moses and Aaron, again, were trying to get Pharaoh to let the people go. Pharaoh didn't like this, so he said, you need to make more bricks. I'm not gonna give you straw to make those bricks, which was an essential ingredient. You need to find something else to substitute for that. These bricks aren't gonna really work out. It's gonna be hard for you to make your quota. Those were things that were happening. So in Exodus 5, 19 through 21, we see the Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told you're not to reduce the number of bricks required of, of you for each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So here they were asking for a rescue. Wasn't working out the way that they wanted. And so immediately they went to blame others. Okay, the Israelites were blaming others for their trouble. Their situation was difficult. It was getting harder. They couldn't see a way out. How often do we let our circumstances control us like that? Where we just blame somebody else. I know I have a tendency of doing that as well. Immediately turning to blame, well, this is somebody else's fault. Okay, Israelites did that. Moving forward to Exodus 14, 10 through 12. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. So this is after the Passover had actually happened. So they had been told by Pharaoh, leave. I don't want to see you. Get out of my sight. They're leaving, but then Pharaoh has a change of heart and he starts coming after them. So they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. So the Egyptians themselves were guilty of a lot of different things. They were guilty of worshiping other gods. They were guilty of worshiping power and lording that power over others and being cruel to others. As we reflect on our lives, do we do that? Okay, here in these past two sections, we also see the Israelites sinning by doubting God's promises. God told them that I'm gonna find a way out for you. But already, They're not even done with this rescue plan. They're not even all the way out of Egypt and now they're already doubting. How often do we doubt God's intentions and God has the best intentions for us? Even when God has done great things in our lives, how long does it take us to expect something more or something better? Do we thank God for his blessings and answered prayers? As I was going through this over the last couple of weeks and kind of preparing this, that, those were a couple of questions that really came up with this specific passage. 
I know for me, I don't thank God enough when, when good things happen, even if it's just those little things on a day-to-day basis. I always expect this bigger blessing, this bigger thing to happen that I'm not always thankful. So how quickly do we forget kind of those answers from God when they cried out for a rescue plan and God was taking them out of Egypt that immediately they started doubting and they just wanted something different? The Israelites just a short time ago didn't have any of their firstborn die because the destroyer passed over their homes due to the sacrifice of the lambs. And now already they're saying, hey, let's go back. It would be better back in Egypt. So already they need another rescue. They need a rescue during the rescue. Okay? We need rescuing again and again just like that. Uh, I know a few weeks back, Drew had put up some different like advertisement things uh, where the expectations were not met. It's kind of came back to this as well as we look at kind of how the Passover kind of story teaches us about ourselves. Uh, We like to overcomplicate things. Uh, We heard an announcement a bit ago about Vacation Bible School coming up. Again, there's sign-ups out in the the back at the kids' church table. Uh, If any of us went to Vacation Bible School as a kid, or we went to maybe a church camp or something similar to that, what was the message that we heard a lot at those events? It was probably, God loves you. God saves you. Trust God. It's as simple as that. Okay? But is it that simple for us? Usually not. Instead, like we saw with the Israelites, we blame others. We blame God. We don't take responsibility. We desire power. We're selfish. We could go on and on and on with that list of those those things that we're guilty of, okay? But the message really is simple, okay? In Romans 3, 22 and 23, it says, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, okay? We don't live up to that holy standard. We can't return to the garden. Because of sin, we don't meet God's holy expectations, So we're like, in this one right here, we're like the flat pillowcase with a picture of a kid sleeping on a dinosaur. Not the fluffy dinosaur pillowcase that we should have, okay? Uh, It does seem like bad news, so just reading this, it does seem like bad news that we're just guilty of sin, just like the Israelites. We're being rescued, that God is doing all these things and we just don't see it. Okay, oops, I'm gonna flip that around. So, go back. We're going to come back to that Romans verse in just a little bit. But if I go back, as we just saw, we need rescuing over and over again. Okay. Back in Egypt, the lambs died. So the firstborn children didn't have to. Now already they need another sacrifice. They need another rescue. How often do we need that rescue? And the answer is all the time. So this is true for me. I'm sure it's true for a lot of us, but in Romans 7, 18 through 25, it says, for I know the good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? This again is where we try to overcomplicate things. 
What are those things that we might do to try to rescue ourselves? Money, jobs, friends, travel, toys. All those are good things unless it becomes the object of our worship, unless it, those are the things that we're using to find our way out. We can't try to save ourselves. It just doesn't work. Like we see here where Paul just says, I want to do good. We all want to do good things. We all want to be good people. But we make mistakes over and over and over again. We need to return ourselves back to when we have been in Sunday school or vacation Bible school. The message was simple. God's good. God created you. God loves you. God has that rescue plan. So who is going to rescue us? This is where the answer is really easy. This, these verses go on to just add verse 25 right here. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a simple answer right there. Okay, Jesus. Jesus is the one who rescues us from our past sins. He's gonna continue rescuing us when we sin. And ultimately, he's the sacrifice that will allow us to avoid death and return to that figurative garden that we, that we were created for. And so this is what the Passover story tells us about Jesus. Okay, he is that lamb that was sacrificed for us. Another passage that kind of confirms that Jesus is our Passover lamb, 1 Corinthians 1, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 7. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old, <clears throat> get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So sin manifests itself over and over again in our lives like a tiny amount of yeast affects a whole batch of dough. During Passover, Jews actually remove all the yeast from their homes and they even go through and clean their homes so there's no residue whatsoever. And that was a sign that they were following God's commandment. Like that, we need to be diligent about trying to remove sin from our lives. But like we showed, we can't do that on our own. No, it's daunting. It's a daunting task because we are living in that fallen world. And sin, we really truly will never be free from sin in our current lives. But the great thing here that as followers of Jesus, we are that unleavened bread. So that really stood out to me. I don't think I've seen those four words before or noticed them before in verse seven. So that you'll be a new, new unleavened batch as you really are. We already are that because of our faith in Jesus. Uh, BibleRef.com kind of puts it or talked about that verse this way. It says, uh, then Paul says something surprising. They're already the unleavened dough. This is true because Christ, the Passover lamb, was sacrificed on the cross to pay for their sin. The leaven has already been removed from them. Paul is urging them to live up to what they already are, the forgiven and set apart people from God. We have been forgiven. Okay, Jesus is our Passover lamb, and because of that, he's rescued us. And we get to live lives that are set apart. We get to live lives that point others to Jesus. We get to live lives that are thankful, and thankful because he's done so much more for us than we could ever do. He sacrificed himself for us once and for all that we don't need to do anything else. And that's a simple, simple Bible, Bible message. Hebrews 7, 26 through 28 says such, oh, that's wrong. Well, at least the five is wrong. Such a high priest truly meets our need 
one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has made perfect forever. God's rescue plan all along was to send his perfect son as a sacrifice for us. Jesus is our hero, I hope, because of his perfect sacrifice allows us to be made perfect. My pastor growing up continually used the phrase, because he, therefore we, and that's one thing from my upbringing that's really stuck with me. Because Jesus died, therefore we get to live. Because he, therefore we. And that's an exciting thing. That should be a super exciting thing. So let's go back to the Romans 3, 22, or 22 and 23 passage. We're going to expand it a little bit. And it says this. So going back what we read before, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. That's our Passover lamb. Jesus has taken away our sins. It costs us nothing other than to believe. The message is that simple. Okay, it's that simple. It's the most least complicated thing ever. Does that make sense? Probably not. It's the least complicated thing ever. Okay? We just need to turn to Jesus and believe. He is our rescuer. He is our Passover lamb. So, while some people think cream of mushroom soup might be a better substitute in cooking, it's not, according to my family anyway. If we think Greek yogurt is a better substitute than sour cream, it's not. If we think Mr. Garvey is a better substitute, he's not. Or a lamb is a good substitute, it's not. As soon as the Israelites put that blood of the lamb over the doorpost and got out of Egypt, they immediately needed rescuing again. Okay? Substitutes just quite aren't the same, or just are not just the same as the real thing. Jesus is the real thing. He is the real sacrifice that was made to give you and me life. There's nothing that we can put in place of Jesus to rescue from our sins. There's nothing that will give us more joy than to follow him and truly, when we truly understand kind of the sacrifice that he made for us. That's what we need to believe in. I hope that's what we believe in. Believe in that promise and have that hope. Okay, so it's a simple message today that Jesus is that sacrifice for us, that Jesus is the rescue plan. So if we look back at our story now, this is where we're at. Just added some to the end here. God created a kingdom and he is the king, but he made human beings to represent him in that kingdom. Adam and Eve rejected this call which led to sin and death, but God promised to defeat the serpent through the seed of the woman who is also the seed of Abraham. Through Abraham's family and specifically Judah's royal seed, the covenant blessings would come to the world because all people were guilty and deserved death. The sacrifices revealed more clearly their need for a substitute. So we look at being created 
human beings were created in God's image. We ate the fruit, we sinned, we've fallen short of that glory of God, but he does promise us redemption and we see glimpses of that through the Bible. We're gonna continue as we look through this story, see other kind of pieces of God's rescue plan. Okay, it's gonna come through Abraham and through specifically Judah and then the Passover lamb, the Lord passes over us if we just simply believe in Jesus' rescue, in Jesus' death and resurrection and how that is the best thing for us, uh, that the Lord passes over us, makes us perfect. So in a couple weeks, I believe next week, uh, there will be a, a kind of a separate message since we're sharing uh, the service with our, um, our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters. But when we come back to our story of the Bible in 16 verses, we will hear a little bit more about the law. If you remember the Ten Commandments story, what that is, uh, and Drew will look at the law and how that is part of God's rescue plan as well. So as we move now into a time of worship, whoops, missing a slide here, never mind. Uh, as we move into a time of worship, a couple uh, reflection questions that we can think about this week are in what areas of your life does blame, doubt, or disbelief creep in? I know that's true for me. Okay, if we think about that this week, is there a, is, are there things that kind of lead to that? What good things has God done in your life that you haven't been thankful for? I mentioned again, I don't often do this. Just thank God for those little things. I'm looking for those, those big things. I'm looking for that path through the Red Sea. And even then, it doesn't seem big enough always. So what are some good things that God has done for you specifically that you maybe haven't been thankful for? And can you thank him for that this morning? Who reminds you that God doesn't leave us and has promised rescue? Are there people around you that remind you of that promise on a daily basis? If not, hopefully we can find you somebody. You know, can come and talk to me afterwards and we can point you to some resources and to some other people that I know would love to just kind of go through that with you and share that God isn't leaving you alone. And then who do you know that needs to hear the good news that Jesus went to the cross for them once and for all, that Jesus was a sacrifice once and covered that door for us and rescued us and we don't have to do that over and over again despite needing that rescue. Uh, we're gonna spend some time worshiping, about, worshiping our Passover lamb. There's a lot of forms that worship takes. Uh, one of those is singing. We're gonna have a couple videos. We might see the Eagle sweatshirt back again uh, from being online, a little reminiscing um, about that. Uh, but we'll, we'll have an opportunity to sing a few songs, let Jesus know that we're thankful for his sacrifice. Another form of worship is prayer. Uh, feel free to use this time that we have in silent reflection and prayer. Also, if you do want somebody to listen to you, somebody to pray for you, we'll have a couple people in the back of the auditorium who are willing to do that for you. Um, you can tell them things specific that you might need prayer for. If you just want a general prayer, prayer just let them know that and they would be happy to pray for you. <clears throat> want to look at Mark here quickly. Um, you can head out to the back. The other form of worship that I didn't mention that we're going to partake in is communion. Uh, communion is an opportunity to remember that Jesus did sacrifice himself for us. 
Uh, in Mark 14, it says, while they were eating, pa- which this was taking place during the Passover celebration, so they were eating the Passover dinner. Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. At Hope, you don't have to be a member of this church body to, be, to take communion. Uh, we just ask that you're a follower of Jesus. If you aren't, right now where you sit, you can give your life over to Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I'm fallen, and this is something that you know, I should say to myself on a daily basis as well. Jesus, I'm fallen and in, in, in need of a rescuer. You sacrificed yourself for me on the cross to forgive my sins and make you free, or make me free. Thank you for rescuing me. It's as simple as that, just believing that Jesus is our rescuer, that he's our Passover lamb. So we are going to play, I believe, three songs. Again, we're gonna sing. You can ask for prayer, take communion at any point during those songs. Um, And now we get to worship our Passover lamb. We get to worship Jesus. So before we get started with that, please pray with me. God, we thank you for rescuing us. We thank you for being the sacrificial lamb uh, that died in place of us so that we can be free, so that we can be rescued. Help us to remember that. Help us to give thanks for that uh, and help us to worship you for that. So we thank you, Jesus. Um, and we just pray that you meet us in this time of worship. Uh, and we thank you for all that you've done for us, for loving us and rescuing us. In your name we pray, amen. <laughs>